Joe, he's Patrick Mahomes, Zachary, and he has looked like not Patrick Mahomes <laughs> the whole start of the season. Why not are you going Zachary. to a second overtime with this team? You really want to shoot out with Caleb Williams? There's a problem, Kurt. There's Don't hate problem. me. Hate the light pole. Don't hate if me. You, hate the light if pole. If you say the the answer, it was the Lions. Whatever. They lost. Here's Beautiful why. game, by the Here's way. Here's why they lost. I have been on the Lions' side since day one. I keep breaking my chair. Zach just went right I'm for Joe's chin there. <laughs>you guys want to know something that I like to do to motivate myself in my daily life? I like to save quotes for myself. I like to save quotes so uh, when I'm feeling a little unmotivated, I can go back and look at them. One of my favorite ones I got here, fall in love with your fears and your dreams will chase you. Tonight's about facing fears. Um, there's nobody to my left. There's nobody to my right. Uh, and that's not a camera trick. That's not me switching screens. That's not just because I'm taking the intro here. I'm taking the intro. I'm taking the middle. I'm taking the beginning. I'm taking the whole episode tonight. Zach and Joe could not make it. Uh, so tonight, it's just me. It's just me. It's just you guys. And we're here for the ride. Um, obviously, I've never done this before. So we're going to see how this goes. Uh, again, tonight's about facing fears, but I'm here for it. I love this. Um, obviously, all three of us got a dream here. I'm here to chase it. I know they are too. Uh, they weren't feeling the best tonight, so they could not make it. Uh, hopefully you guys are feeling good enough by Thursday. Uh, no confirmation on if we will be live or not this Thursday, but uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know as soon as I can, obviously. Um, that said, man, I am excited. I'm excited to chase tonight. Um, I'm excited to embarrass myself on the internet for you guys, but uh, the show goes on. We told ourselves at the start of this one, when we uh, started under the lights, obviously we podcasted before. We told ourselves at the start of this one, the show goes on no matter what. And uh, I'm going to make sure that happens. So I've got an episode for you guys here tonight. I got a lot of topics to get to and I'm excited. I'm excited. Obviously, you can see the nerves. I'm a very transparent person. So, you know, we're going to get a little bit of that out as we go, as we as we loosen up here a little bit. But uh, before we get going tonight, obviously, I ask you guys here and there, I'm going to ask you before I get started here, subscribe. I'm doing this for y'all. I'm sitting down, uh, making sure we still get you guys an episode. At least you can do, you know, support. Support is free. Scroll down, subscribe. Uh, let us know you love us and uh, help us keep doing this. If you're listening over on podcast afterwards, um, follow over there. Give it a rating. Uh, let us know how you're feeling over there. Feedback is wonderful. Interact with us in the comments. Interact with me in the comments on this one. Let me know uh, <laughs> how I do tonight here. But uh, with that said, I got a lot of topics uh, per the usual. Talking college football, talking football in general tonight, uh, obviously, it was a week weekend of quarterbacks. If there was ever a weekend of quarterbacks, this was that weekend. From uh, From a massive Heisman race weekend, to NFL guys stepping up, rookies, uh, first-time quarterbacks. A lot of guys stepped up this weekend. A lot of great football this weekend to talk about, so we're going to get right into that. Per the usual with college football, we're going to dive into winners and losers of the week, uh, week 10. We're going to start with that Heisman race I just mentioned. Um, if you are a fan of the quarterback award known as the Heisman, this was a weekend to catch for sure. Um a lot played out this weekend. A lot of great battles played out this weekend. 
Uh, Michael Penix Jr. continued a little bit of a, a struggle he's had lately. Um, he went 22 for 30 this weekend, two touchdowns, one interception, ended up getting the edge on USC and Caleb Williams there. Uh, USC falls another Caleb Williams, likely has no shot at this award, sitting at plus 12,000 in odds right now. Uh, likely no shot at the award, but he had an amazing game himself at 27 for 35, three touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Milrow and Jaden Daniels battled, battled in Tuscaloosa this Saturday. That was a beautiful game. That was our game of the week. Alabama edged that one out. Um, Jaden Daniels ended up going down at the end of that game, but what a fantastic matchup that was. Milrow was 15 for 23, 219 yards, but it was their feet that got the job done on Saturday. He had 20 carries for 155 yards and four touchdowns, as well as Daniels matching in passing, 15 for 24, 219 yards. Sound familiar? That's because it is. Milrow had the same stat line. Uh, he had two touchdowns and, and an interception there. He also had 11 carries for 163 yards and a touchdown himself. Those two going toe-to-toe -to -toe was incredible to watch. Um, that was exactly the game I was hoping we would see. And uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about Alabama. I'll talk about Alabama here in a little bit. But um, all I'm saying is all those teams out there that had a chance to beat Alabama a few weeks ago, they should have beat Alabama because guess what? The Crimson Tide, they're coming. I've, I've said it for weeks now. The Crimson Tide are coming. Uh, Nick Saban's got a very young team there rolling right now. He's got that group just playing out of their minds going through the be through the end of this season here. Uh, the rest of their schedule looks incredibly favorable, and uh, Jalen Milrow looks like he's on on track to have a little end-of-season Heisman race himself there. Bo Nix, obviously right up there with Michael Penix Jr., second in odds at plus 200, had a fantastic game. Uh, 29 for 38, 386 yards, four touchdowns, and interception. Also had five carries for three yards and two touchdowns. Uh, dude had six total touchdowns on the weekend. Um, opponent aside, I mean, that's a Heisman performance right there. So uh, I think I think your race is going to end up coming down to Penix Jr. and Bo Nix, but touchdowns after touchdowns after touchdowns was the theme of this weekend as long as you were not watching the game in Wrigley Field. Um, the question that I've got on, on my screen right now, who is our Heisman pick right now? Obviously, this was aimed at the whole group, um, but I, I'll speak for the whole group when I say I think think we're all still really rooting for Bo Nix. Um, Oregon's been absolutely rolling. On a neutral field right now, I would I would pick Oregon to take game two against Washington. This Oregon team has only continued to find itself there. Um, do I think they're a national championship pick? No, not really. But with how good they've they've looked lately, they're good enough to win that conference. I think that championship game is going to be nuts. You are going to see Oregon-Washington again. Um, it, that's going to be a battle and Bonex comes out on top in that one. And I think he's got that award on lock, but we're going to find out. We're going to see, um, speaking of national championships, though, moving right along TCU, uh, national championship runner up, runner ups last season. And now they're probably not even going to play in a bowl game. Uh, the slip, the slope that TCU has faced in the last three years, 2021, they went five and seven, fired longtime coach Gary Patterson uh, midway through his 21st season. He would have been the second longest tenured head coach at that time, would still be today. Um, shout out Mike Gundy for that position. 
Um, he gets fired. They go five and seven. 2022 rolls around. TCU's got a team full of super seniors. Uh, now some NFL guys, one of the best defensive lines in the country. Uh, you've got Max Duggan, who comes in, doesn't even have a starting job beginning of the season. Two games into the season, all of a sudden he's up in that starting job and has a Heisman run out of nowhere. And Sonny Dykes in his first season leads the Horn Frogs to a national championship. Um, beats a cheating Michigan in the semifinals and goes and gets crushed by Georgia. But regardless, you took a five and seven team to a national championship. And now you look at the Horn Frogs and they're four and five through nine games. And the remaining schedule sees Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, you have Baylor in there as well, but you have to win two of those games. So barring a miraculous upset, one of the biggest upsets of the season, because my guess is TCU is going to be at the very least a 14 to 18 point dog in both of those games, home and away. Um, barring one of the biggest upsets of the season, you're probably not going to see TCU in a bowl game this year, which is a ridiculous slide for that team. Um, obviously not considering what they lost going into this season. I think you that TCU team returned like five starters. So you, you lost a good chunk. Obviously, you lost Max Duggan, which was the heart of your team. But you don't expect the team, especially in a Big 12 that isn't that great this year, you don't expect a team like that to make that big of a slide. Which brings up the question that I've got here. Was 2022 the perfect storm of good transfers, COVID super seniors, and just a lot bit of luck? Because that was a comeback team. That was a frequent comeback team. That was a frequent one-score game winning team. Was it just a perfect storm or was 2022 a fluke for TCU? Um, Obviously, again, question aimed at the whole group here, but in my opinion, as a big 12 sicko, I, I want to, I want to say that that last season for TCU was, it was all Sonny Dykes. It was all, you know, game plan. It was this, it was that, but you look at the seasons they had before and you look at the season they've had right after. And that team to me, it was it was another perfect mixture. You look at Georgia last year; those guys, you got guys that are fourth, fifth year senior or fifth year seniors or seniors. You've got a really old team. Um, quarterback was thirty five years old, um, and TCU was kind of the same story. And those are the two that play in the national championship. Only difference is Georgia's got one of the best coaching staffs in the country. TCU's got Sonny Dykes, and so I don't want to say it was a fluke season, but. Uh, it looks it looks a little a little dirtier now that you see where they're at currently. They're probably not they're probably not going bull in this season. So I don't know. TCU, I don't know. I hope I hope they beat Texas or Oklahoma. Uh the Big Twelve hopes they beat Texas or Oklahoma. I'd love to see them still slip into a bowl game here, but man, what a what a fall to earth for TCU there. We've got another winner though. Speaking of sickos, Dabo, Sweeney, and the Clemson Tigers. Dabo was approached. I don't know. I don't know how closely you guys follow the deep world of college football. Dabo was approached on his radio show earlier this week. Kid named Tyler hops on, asks him, you know, why are you getting Dabo? Why are you getting paid what you're getting paid? Why are you getting paid to underperform? 
in the last few seasons? Why are you getting paid to refuse to adapt to college football? Why are you getting paid $11 million or whatever it is to refuse to use the transfer portal to not even recruit that high? Why why are you getting paid to underperform? Is essentially what he asked him. Dabo did not take kindly to that one. Um, I don't remember all the words, but he he ripped into that kid a little bit. Didn't take kindly to that, but at the end of the day, with his running or with his number one wide receiver out, a different Tyler steps up. His own Tyler steps up. Tyler Brown uh, puts the puts the Tigers up double digits early against Notre Dame. Tigers never look back. Uh, Clemson, if you watch that game, really, really they dominated that game. Scoreboard at the end uh, would say otherwise. But uh, really, you watch that game. They dominated. Sam Hartman couldn't get anything going. Notre Dame had no answer for Clemson. Um, and a few weeks ago, we were we were kind of talking bad on Dabo as well, um, which a lot of the country is. It's justified. Uh, we're talking bad on Dabo's refusal to adapt to college football's new style. He will not hit the transfer portal. He hates NIL. Um and he would he would rather be classic, which is fine. He would rather rely on recruiting. But here's the thing, if you're going to rely on recruiting, you better have one a dang good recruiting class year in and year out. He doesn't. Uh 15th in the country is good, but in today's era where anybody can pick up fourth or fifth year guys out of the transfer portal and not even have to recruit. Do you really want a 15th ranked class of freshmen coming in? Um, but you look back a few years ago, uh, in 2020, they landed a top three recruiting class and then a top five. And then from there it's fallen off every year. It was 13th, two years ago and 15th heading into next season. And so if Dabo is going to refuse to use the transfer portal, refuse to, seek NIL, which he's still very adamant he does not want to do that. I still I still think Clemson doesn't have much of a future with Dabo. I love to see this guy win. I love to see the passion that this guy has for the game of football. Um, but I'm still sticking to I, I don't think he has what it takes in the current era of college football. He is too deep-rooted in what college football used to be which I mean, a lot of us fans are too, but as a coach, you can't be. Your job is to go in and, and win, um, which I mean, to a degree he still is. And it's not like Clemson is a perennial national championship team. They've, I think they've got three of them all time. And their last one was in 2016. They've had great seasons after that. Obviously with Trevor Lawrence, they had a really good season. Um, they had Deshaun Watson seasons. Um, but so it's not like you can expect too highly of this team. They've, they're not a dynasty. They never really were a dynasty. But seven or eight wins doesn't cut it for a coach who has consistently been to that top stage. And we know he can get to that stage. But can he get to that stage refusing to play the game that needs to be played is a little bit of my question. Um I love to see the fiery motivation out of Dabo, as I think we all do. <laughs> it, it could mean a few more bright years for Clemson and for him going forward, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Uh, the poll isn't there anymore for recruiting. Nobody wants to go play for a coach who isn't going to have their back in the new landscape of college football. Um, 
I love the type of player he goes for. He goes for that loyal player. He goes for that guy that he can turn into a star. I love that. But I just, I think that's going to disappear in the new college football. And I just, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see much sustained success for the, for the Tigers going forward, but we're going to see. I love to see that matchup this weekend. Um, I don't think any of us had them taken down Notre Dame. Um, I think we might've picked that game last week. I'm not sure, but I, I know none of us would have had them taking down Notre Dame except for Zach. Uh, Zach, I'll say it for you. Rudy was offsides, <laughs> um, but either way, uh, excited to see where Clemson might go the rest of the season. Seven or eight wins is highly possible for this team. They might still, they're going to see a bowl game more than likely. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where this team goes going forward. Um, we got another loser and this is, this is one of my favorite ones again as a big 12 sicko here. Oklahoma must now forever face the eternal scoreboard. Uh, Oklahoma has played Oklahoma state 118 times. Now they won 91 of those 118 matchups, but, uh, it doesn't matter. You can tell pokes fans, whatever you want to tell pokes fans from here on out. You uh you ended tradition. You're leaving for the SEC. Uh that's that's not on Oklahoma State. And you didn't get it done in the last one. So whatever argument you have for the pokes going forward, however many times you want to say you don't care about this matchup as an Oklahoma fan, you're gonna you're gonna get hit with that score bug about every time. Um be prepared. <laughs> be prepared for years of clips from that final pass breakup of the final bedlam. Uh, be be prepared to have your face smeared in this one for a long time, Oklahoma fans. Unless we see a surprise. I mean, we could see these two teams work something out to still play every year. I doubt it, though. I doubt it, though. Oklahoma, I don't think they should have any interest in scheduling this one as an early season matchup. I don't think there is a world where it makes sense for Oklahoma to take this game and put it in the first three weeks of a college football season. Um, That is not good for Oklahoma because you're looking to compete in the SEC, but while also looking to compete in the SEC, you're looking to compete on a national scale. That's why you went to the SEC, so you can recruit better, so you can get transfers better, and that's fine. You probably will. Um, but with that said, you're looking to compete nationally. If you're looking to compete nationally, you don't want to take early season wins. I promise you Oklahoma state is going to deliver those from time to time. And Oklahoma does not want that. And I don't think Oklahoma has really any interest in, in getting this one going again. Once they leave, in fact, Oklahoma state and Mike Gundy might not have a whole lot of interest in getting this one going again. Um, and I, I fully, I fully support that. Um, you just took, you just took the biggest joke of a final, final win. You might as well just ride it for a while. Even if Oklahoma comes knocking at your door, don't answer. Don't answer that knock. Um, to add insult to injury this weekend, not only did the Cowboys win 27, 24, uh, they also dropped Oklahoma to seven and two, which like I was just talking about drops them not only out of big 12 title contention, but, uh, they're probably not seeing a college football playoff appearance. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Take this game, put it in week two. When both of these seasons are in early season form, where you see the most upsets, where you see those games that go away that they probably would not go in week 12 of a college football season. Um, Oklahoma does not want that. 
Um, obviously, they beat them 91 times. Maybe they can beat them 91 more. But it's those seasons where Oklahoma State comes in in week two and beats you that you regret taking that matchup. So I don't, I don't see them trying to renew this one going forward. But I suppose we'll see. I I love to see this one. I know Big 12 fans out there love to see this one as well. Um, with Oklahoma State, Texas, um, and the Kansas schools, Kansas and Kansas State, not far behind in the Big 12. It's it's time to answer who I guess I who I guess I think is going to win the Big 12 this season. Um, we've talked highly of Texas. We've said for the longest time that Texas is going to win this conference. And I'm probably yeah, I'm probably sticking to that one. I I think it makes sense to stick with Texas. They passed their biggest obstacle this Saturday. They survived Kansas State, I believe, 33 to 30. They passed their biggest obstacle of the season. Um, Quinn Ewers should return soon. So they've done this with their backup quarterback, freshman. Um, so Texas still, to me, looks really good. You are facing adversity with with a backup at the helm. And the biggest thing to me is you won that game. You could have lost that game. That could have wrecked your season because you already had your loss to Oklahoma. Right now, you're still in the playoff race. Right now, you're still likely to play in that Big 12 championship game. So losing to Kansas State ruins all of that. Not only are you probably possibly not playing in that Big 12 championship game. Instead, it will be K-State, Oklahoma State. You're also out of playoff talks, just like Oklahoma. And instead, you win that game. So you get to see all the mistakes you made in that game. And you get to weaponize those. You get to improve on the mistakes you made in that game. And you get Monday off because you won. Um, so Texas is the ultimate winner there. The rest of their schedule, not that tough. Um, they Their toughest game probably remaining, they play Iowa State at 7 o'clock in a week or two. Um, and I, <laughs> You know, as an Iowa State fan, the the perfect storm would be we go and lose to BYU this Saturday. And then... We beat we beat Texas to ruin their season. That would be the true Iowa State way, but who knows? Uh, Texas, very strong team, uh, very very promising near future for them. I think they win this conference. I think they go to that championship game. They probably play Oklahoma State. Texas gets that one done. Um, as much as I am excited to see Texas and Oklahoma go, there's obviously a deep down Big Twelve part of me that wants to see Texas and Oklahoma not win this conference this year. I also want to see a Big 12 team, whether they're SEC or not, go to that playoff. And if it's Texas, whatever. I'm rooting for you. I hope you win it all. I think it will be Texas. I think they win the Big 12. That is still my pick there. Uh, we've got another... we got a winner. And I talked about it a little bit ago. I said we'd get to this one. Alabama might be hitting its stride, boys. Um, uh, and girls. But... Uh, I talked about I've talked about this for a few weeks now. I talked about this last weekend when Alabama came back and beat Tennessee. Um and Joe and Zach called me crazy, said Alabama, you know, there's they're young. They might look like they're hitting their stride, but there's nothing special about this team. If a comeback against Tennessee wasn't enough, um how about a monster performance on offense with game time deciding defensive plays? in a primetime game in Tuscaloosa to take down LSU, the other team we had contending for this conference, 42-28. to 28. Um, As mentioned before, Jalen Milrow went 15 for 23, 219 yards, 20 carries, 155 yards, and four touchdowns. 
Uh, I think it's safe to say no matter where Milrow's career goes in this one, he cements his legacy at Alabama on Saturday. Uh, the university of beating LSU. Uh, that's all Nick Saban does. That's all that school wants to do most of the time. That that rivalry is big down there. So you cement your legacy with a monster game in that one. Uh, you also instill a lot of confidence in your team going forward. Alabama doesn't have a tough schedule going forward. Alabama's next toughest game is probably Georgia. It's probably Georgia in Atlanta as long as Georgia gets over the Ole Miss hump this weekend. It's probably Georgia in Atlanta. Um... So this Alabama team, like I've said for a couple weeks now, they're really, really starting to roll. And the most important thing to me is that offensive line. Going into the season, they had what should have been one of the most impactful offensive lines in college football. Uh, Instead, they were one of the worst rated offensive lines in the SEC in the first four or five games of the season. Um, And this weekend, they give up just two sacks against one of the best defensive fronts in the SEC and LSU on six pressures. Um, And they did something they have failed to do the entire season, and that's open up the run game. Not only did they open up the run game for the first time, they opened up the run game for six rushing touchdowns. Um, That's something you have not seen out of Alabama this season, and it's something you saw this weekend. Um, A fair thing to note with that is... LSU's defense ranks 102nd in the country in rush defense. They give up 160 yards per game and 10 rushing touchdowns or have given up 10 rushing touchdowns on the season. That, the 160 yards per game and the 10 touchdowns, that was before playing Alabama. So you tack on, you know, 170 more yards and six more touchdowns in this one. But they've got one of the worst rushing defenses in the country by far. So, I mean, you got to look at that as well when you look at this game. But to me, it's still, it doesn't matter. Alabama instills the biggest thing in this one. They instill confidence. Um, they show that they are getting over that midseason hump and they're doing it right. They've only got one loss right now. Again, the rest of their schedule is not that tough. Watch out for this Alabama team. Watch out for this Alabama team. They can, if they can run the ball as well as they did against LSU and still have their passing game going and have a defense that has looked as good as this one has recently. Uh, You give up 28 points to LSU. Not the greatest, but that LSU offense is one of the best in the SEC as well. Um, And you win 42 to 28. So a win is a win. Um, This To me, they just look really good right now. They look really good right now. They look poised to go in and... And possibly win this conference. I obviously my LSU pick is now out the window. It sucks. I, I picked LSU in this one. I still had LSU going into that championship game and winning the SEC before this weekend. That is gone. That picture is gone. But the picture of Alabama versus Georgia in Atlanta in a few weeks, few weeks, probably like a month. But either way, that picture is now painted. That picture is set. Uh, barring major upsets, obviously Georgia plays Ole Miss this weekend. Um, Alabama has a few tough games coming up. Maybe I think they might have Vanderbilt coming up. So we'll see there. Um, The question I've got down here is regardless of who wins that matchup. um, And it's looking like a toss up at this point, Georgia might still be the most complete team might still have the best coaching staff. We'll see. But regardless of who wins that matchup, are we eyeing another sec national champion? And I'm going to just cut to it. Yeah, probably. 
probably. I We haven't seen Michigan get tested yet. That's coming this weekend. Um, I think the Big Ten is fraudulent. I don't think there's a team in the ACC that is poised quite yet to contend nationally. Florida State is not that team. Um, as far as the Pac-12 goes, it, defense wins championships. I don't care how high-flying your offense is. There's not a team in that conference that you know could stop anything right now, um, especially an SEC offense. Hell, I don't even know if Washington or USC could defend Iowa's offense. Um, but regardless, Pac-12, not it for me. Texas, with the right storm, I could see Texas going in and you know making an impact. But I just don't see it. I don't see it. I think the two best coaches in college football right now have the two best teams in college football right now. And I think it's going to come down to one of these two again. I think we're going to get that same storyline again. So just be ready for it, college football fans, as much as we thought this season was wide open and crazy. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it anymore. But uh, we're going to see. We're going to see how this season plays out. That is our winners and losers for the weekend. We had a fantastic weekend of college football. And we're primed for another one coming up here. But we're going to get to, I'm going to get to our spotlight features of the week. Week 11, we've got three games. Three games for you guys to watch this weekend. I'm going to give my picks here. Uh, we've got number one, number five, Washington at 9-0, going, staying at home to take on number 13, Utah at 7-2. and two. Utah bounced back really well this weekend. Um, and to me, you're going to get a very similar shootout in this game as you see in like a Utah-USC game. You see Utah-USC go down to the wire every game. You see touchdowns, no defense. I think that's a lot of what you're going to see in this one. Um, Penix has struggled on his Heisman campaign lately. Obviously, you're still squeaking out wins, but uh, he's definitely struggled, thrown a lot more interceptions lately. Hasn't been able to get a ton going in the passing game. Still winning. Uh, this Utah defense is not going to make it a lot easier on him. Uh, we're probably seeing another shootout in this one, like I said. Uh, with that said, I think it does come down to whichever team, and it, it did this weekend as well for the Washington-USC game. It's going to come down to that one team that makes that one stop, that big crucial play. And to me, once again, that's probably going to be Washington. Washington, as much as they've struggled a little bit defensive, a lot bit defensively and a little bit offensively lately, Still a very solid team. Uh, they find ways to win games. Utah normally does that themselves, but they've they haven't been up there this season. Um, I was highly poised on this team, highly praised on this team a few weeks ago to you know make a stand in the Pac-12, possibly win this thing again. I think that's out of the picture now. Washington's on a mission right now. Give me the Huskies in that one. Second matchup here, we've got number one, Georgia at 9-0, staying at home to take on number 10, Ole Miss at 8-1. Ole Miss has had a heck of a season. Um, for those of you who are college football enthusiasts out there, how amazing would it be if Lane Kiffin, the tarmac king himself, were to go on the road, having a stellar season, one of his best seasons at Ole Miss, were to go on the road and upset the Georgia Bulldogs to end their 36-game regular season win streak. I, I don't think I don't think there's a better outcome in a weekend of college football than if we saw that. Does it do anything for the SEC picture? No. 
it doesn't do a thing for the SEC picture. Um, it, Georgia's in a different division, so that loss would mean nothing to them. But it'd be funny. Uh, if there's an Ole Miss squad to do it, it might be this Ole Miss squad. Ole Miss is an 11.5 point dog in this one, justifiably. Um, Ole Miss has had some really good games lately. Uh, you took down Tennessee. You just took down Texas A&M this weekend in a fantastic game. You held on in that one. You battled adversity. You battled a late comeback. You skidded a little bit, but you got it done. You got the win out of the way. That said, this Georgia team's too good. This Georgia team's too good. I think the best team Georgia's faced all season is Missouri. I think Missouri's better than Ole Miss. And Georgia really handled that game. They did. It was close. It was a really good game out of Missouri. Um, But Georgia really handled that game. Georgia's handling everybody they play right now. Injuries aside, they're just getting it done, man. There's a lot of dogs on that team, no pun intended, and they just step up. Well-coached team, really good squad. Um, uh, I don't think they lose a regular season game this year. Uh, We'll see how they fare against Alabama, but I'm taking Georgia in that one. We've got our last matchup here. Michigan finally gets tested. Uh, Michigan is 9-0 going on the road to take on number 9 Penn State at 8-1. Michigan's a a 5.5-point favorite here. ESPN's got this game at a 50-50 split. Got this game at a 50-50 split, which is fair to a degree. Uh, You haven't seen Michigan play anybody, so you don't know what's going to happen in this game. Do they rise to it? Maybe. Do they crumble? Maybe. They got a lot on their plate. They got FBI at their front door. Uh, They got coaches getting fired left and right. Harbaugh's likely facing suspension soon. Who knows? Throughout the course of this week, we could start to see some of those suspensions, which could really put a damper on this team. Um, if you're betting this game, don't, don't, there's just too much going on with this Michigan team. And at the same time, you look at Penn state, you look at drew Aller, you look at this offense that is very one dimensional. Michigan's got a defense that could very, very easily shut down drew Aller. You do that. This Penn state team has no shot, regardless of how many coaches and players on this team are, you know, in jail, suspended, or fired, it doesn't matter. Penn State doesn't stand a shot if they can't get the passing game going. Michigan has everything it takes to shut that down. Is this Michigan's first true test? Yes, but I don't think it's too much of a test. I don't think you see Michigan really break a sweat until Ohio State. I'm going to stand firm on that one. I'm going to take Michigan in this one. I'm not going to tell you if I'm taking the points or not because, again, if you're betting this game, stop it. Don't. Get get some help. It's not a game to bet. Um, those are, those are my picks. Those are the games to watch this weekend. Uh, definitely watch out for that Washington, Utah one, uh, Michigan, Penn state. We're going to see, we're going to see. But, uh, with that said, that is college football. I am now halfway through my first solo episode on a fantastic pace. Hopefully you guys are enjoying. Once again, I'm going to interrupt and say, if you haven't yet, if you're here at this point, I love you guys, but, uh, turn your phone real quick scroll down real quick subscribe support the channel uh support is free just hit subscribe it doesn't hurt you you're not going to get spammed with anything we're not going to come to your door and knock on it say thank you or ask for donations we're not going to do that support is free the show is free the only thing we ask you to do is subscribe if you're listening on podcast follow with that said we've reached the halfway point which uh is one of our favorite times of the podcast because we get to uh, a newer segment that we really love uh, and I really love these takes this weekend. We got halfway heaters. Halfway heaters is the halfway point of the episode where we sit down and we go over your guys's, the fans, the audience, your guys's hot takes for the week uh, for college football, NFL, football as a whole, broad takes, takes from the weekend, doesn't matter. We go over your guys's hot takes. We rate them and we break them down. 
I'm really excited about the takes we've got this weekend. I was really excited to go over these ones with Zach and Joe, but I'm going to have to get their thoughts regardless. I want your guys' thoughts on these down below. We got two really, really good ones here. Um, First one we've got here is a college football one. Uh, College football one I really love. Caleb Williams is the most wasted talent in the history of college football. Take a moment. Take a moment. Think about that one. Because there's a lot to break down there. There's a lot of wasted talent that has gone through college football. And take the word wasted with a grain of salt. You know, think of that word in whatever way you will. Um, No athlete is necessarily wasted. But when you look at Caleb Williams, you look at the fact that this kid who is not only one of the most talented quarterbacks we've seen in college football, he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks we've seen in college football. Uh, He's a winner, obviously. This kid has never played in a conference championship. This kid has never played in the playoffs, never competed for a national championship, anything. He won a Heisman, sure, but competition-wise, he hasn't done a whole lot. Now, that's that's great, Um, but then you look at some other guys. Then you look at some other guys who have been wasted talent in college football. A big one that comes to mind first, Peyton Manning at Tennessee. Uh, played, I think, all four seasons at Tennessee. Had one of the best collegiate careers of all time. Um, but they could never get it done. They went 11-1 and twice. Uh, they went 10-2 and once in his freshman season. They were 8-4, and but he didn't really play a whole lot that season. Had one of the greatest careers of all time at Tennessee. Never could reach that national championship. Always dropped one. They won their first national championship the year after he graduates. Um, You also look at the fact that Randy Moss went to Marshall. Look at Christian McCaffrey, one of the greatest running backs right now, quite possibly one of the best running backs in college football history. He could go down as one of the best running backs in NFL history. Dude played at Stanford. I mean... The only thing you remember really from Christian McCaffrey at Stanford, obviously he had a stupidly good senior season there, but the only thing you really remember is their thrashing of Iowa in the Rose Bowl. Um, Besides that, I mean, there's not a whole lot to write home about. Put Christian McCaffrey that senior season on, you know, a team like Alabama that year, a team like Oklahoma that season who had a really good offense. I mean, there's, I don't know. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, so there's, there's a lot of wasted players. Let's, let's look at Caleb Williams efficiency. He's got a career QBR of 171.1 in just three seasons of college football. He's thrown for nearly 10,000 yards, 91 touchdowns, and just 13 interceptions career QBR of 171, which will go down. Um, likely he's going to finish around that same range. That'll go down as a top 10 QBR of all time in college football. So obviously dude was incredibly efficient. Dude was a heck of a quarterback. Most wasted talent in the history of college football. I don't think so. Um, Did he waste his time playing for coaches who can't get him to that next level? Yeah. Um, Obviously you're... At Oklahoma, at USC, you're developing really good quarterbacks, but you're on a team that can't play defense to save their lives. Obviously, USC just fired Alex Grinch, which is great. We'll see where that goes. Um, 
but I don't know. Most wasted of all time, I think that's pretty hot. There's a lot of legendary college football players and now NFL Hall of Famers who played at schools you've probably never heard of. So to call them the most wasted, that's a little hot. But uh, look at those numbers and it's 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 up there. Here's here's one that I really like. Um, shout out a coworker who will not be named. But uh, we got a we got a fun one here. This is one I was really excited to see what Zach and Joe thought. I'm gonna have to get their thoughts after they watch this one. Um, Tyreek Hill, if if he surpasses 2,000 yards, he should and will win the MVP. If you guys know me, you know I'm not fond of the Dolphins. You know I'm not fond of this Dolphins team. Um, for several reasons. You know, they're 6-0 and against teams under 500. They're 0-3 against teams over 500. Tyreek's had a great season, yes. He's a fantastic receiver, yes. He might be the best receiver in the league, sure. Um, But I'm not falling for it. I'm really not falling for it. You look at his numbers against the top teams he's played. They just played the Chiefs. He had like 13 receptions for 84 yards. That's a pretty good game. But uh, you played... The Eagles, he had 15 receptions for like 54 yards. No touchdowns. That's not good. When you played the Bills, the dude had like four receptions for 38 yards. So when you're playing your top competition, you're not even surpassing 90, much less 100. So yeah, you've got great games out there, but they're against much, much lesser defenses. Now, if he does pass 2,000 yards, Tyreek will be... The only receiver to ever do so, Calvin Johnson being close at about 1947, Cooper Cup being right behind him. Uh, Calvin Johnson did it with only 16 games. Cooper Cup was close with 17. Obviously, Tyreek gets 17 as well. What Tyreek needs for the rest of the season to hit 2,000 is 115 yards a game as of now. It's doable, sure. Uh, it's very doable. Tyreek's a fantastic receiver. Uh, you've got the Raiders next. You've got, I think, the Bears coming up. But then you've got some tough matchups. You've got the Ravens and the Bills to close out the season. Um, don't quote me on this one. I, I'm i not even going to say it because I don't remember. But they've got some tough matchups at the end of the season. His next two, he's going to really need to carry a heavy load with the Raiders. And again, I think the Bears. He's going to need to really carry a heavy load there. Because against that Bills team, we already saw what he did. Not great. Against that Ravens team, that Ravens team looks scary. They look scary lately. Um, that defense is no joke. And they've got the guys that can, you know, they can lock Tyreek up, just like all these top defenses have. Um, if he gets the 2,000, should he win it? Sure. Will he? Probably not. Just give him his offensive player of the year and move on. Um, in my opinion, I think the guy you give it to is the guy throwing him the ball? I think Tua probably will win MVP. We'll see because this Dolphins team, you know, I I think they finished the season at about 10 wins. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you don't see a lot of 10-win quarterbacks winning MVP. So maybe he'll, he'll fall out of that race. But if if he gets 2,000, I still think you give it to his quarterback, give him offensive player of the year and move on. But he'll be making history, so we'll see. Um, again, you guys know me, not fond on the Dolphins. I'm excited to, to see Zach and Joe's take on that one. 
But uh, let me know your guys' thoughts down below on that one as well. That Tyreek one, to me, was the one I was most excited for going into this week. Um, kind of wanted the back and forth on that one because you guys know me. Not a Dolphins guy. Let's talk NFL. Let's get to the bottom half of the hour here. Let's talk NFL. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs shines in his Minnesota debut. Rookie quarterback Jaron Hall goes down really early in this one. I think he completed like four passes for 58 yards, something like that. Dobbs picked the slack up, picked it right up, uh, picked it right up to the point where they squeaked out a late 31-28 victory over Atlanta. Uh, despite major injuries to Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, and now a season-ending injury to Cam Akers, Vikings still managed to take another win. Uh, again, likely due to the Superman-esque effort from Josh Dobbs. Um, statistically, Dobbs was 20 for 30, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Also led the team in rushing with seven carries, 66 yards, and one touchdown. That's a big thing with Cam Akers coming to the Vikings as they were finally getting a run game going. And then he gets hurt and that run game disappears, but Dobbs picked up the slack there too, man. Um, the, the, fun, the craziest part to me is first of all Dobbs is not getting paid enough whenever he's getting paid um this dude comes in before he goes into the game he's with his center on the side of the field learning the cadence learning how to snap the ball to each other uh and getting a feel for each other before he goes in this game mind you he did not practice he did not practice with this team going into this game this was his first bit of play with this group of guys um and, you know, as a guy who played uh, played center in high school, you know, big time, would have made it to the NFL if I, you know, didn't suck. But regardless, as a guy who played high school in center, I, I understand how important that connection from center to quarterback is. You, you don't want to be off cue with that guy because you're going to see a lot of mishaps. You're going to see fumbles. You're going to see those false starts. You want to be in sync with each other. You want to be comfortable with your center snap, uh, long snap under center. Regardless, you want to be comfortable with that guy, with how that guy is handing you the ball, with how that guy is snapping you the ball. These two didn't know each other. Uh, this center doesn't know how he likes the ball to be snapped. Uh, Dobbs didn't know how the center likes to snap the ball. Um, and every center kind of does things differently. So, to come in and not have that connection is big to come in and never play with these guys is big. And the importance of having that synchronization is huge, but it didn't matter. Dobbs didn't slip up once. And well, I think he might've started off with a fumble, but he, he picked it up and then didn't slip up after that. But regardless, um, what a, what a fantastic performance out of Josh Dobbs. Exciting game to see. Um, you love to see something like that. He's what he's been on five teams in the past two seasons. The guy's a journeyman at this point, and he comes out and he performs everywhere he's at. Really, he comes out and he performs. He does what he has to do to win games, and he won this one. With a remaining schedule for the Vikings, seeing the Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders, Packers. Could the Vikings sneak their way into the playoffs? And this was a spot I was I was ready to talk to Zach because there's a team that I left off of that list I just read. They play the Lions twice yet. Um, now, in my opinion, I think the Vikings are a massive candidate for that wild card spot. But there is a world 
where this Vikings team gets Justin Jefferson back. This Vikings team is clicking midseason. Uh, Josh Dobbs continues to click how he is. There are no more injuries to this team. They win the bulk of the games I just said, and they split one with the Lions. And in splitting one with the Lions, they end up taking this division, and they end up just going to the playoffs regardless of a wild card spot because they clinch. There is a world where that is possible. Um, and obviously, I don't have Zach here to yell at me, which is a little bit peaceful. There's a little bit of serenity in that, but I'm sure I'll get an earful on that one regardless after after this episode airs. There's a world. There's a world. I think the Vikings see that wild card spot regardless, but we'll see. We'll see. Speaking of quarterbacks who had a major impact this weekend, C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is breaking barriers, man. Uh CJ might just be him. Stroud cements himself as offensive rookie of the year with his five touchdown performance this weekend. Uh, the reason I say he cements himself, he was minus 160 going into this weekend. He just put up 470 yards and five touchdowns. He's your offensive rookie of the year. I don't care what he does the rest of the season. Um, he was 30 for 42, like I said, 470 yards, a rookie single game record. And he had five touchdowns. Uh, this effort propelled the Texans to a 39-37 win over the Bucks. Baker Mayfield had no answer for this this hot rookie this weekend. Um, puts the Texans right back in the race for that AFC South. Uh, they're just two games behind the Jags right now. A wild card could be in their future as well if they keep winning, which would be incredible for this super young team. Um, they've got a tough matchup against the 49ers coming up after I believe what is their bye week. Um, do the Texans make the playoffs is the, the question at hand here. Obviously incredible performance for Stroud. We're excited to see where he continues to go, but that question comes with the following remaining schedule. They see the Bengals, they see the Cardinals, they see the Jags. They see the Broncos, the Jets, the Titans, the Browns, the Titans again, and the Colts. Um, I said they had a tough matchup against the 49ers coming up. I think I meant the Bengals. Regardless, that's their schedule uh, remaining. Now, what I was going to do is we were going to sit down and we were going to go over which of these games they beat, but I will do that myself. They lose to the Bengals. This Bengals team is hot right now. They found their stride. They lose to the Bengals. They beat the Cardinals. They have to win that Jags game. Do they win that Jags game? It depends on what Jags team we see that weekend. Um, but they have to win that Jags game because that's who they're two games back to right now. That's where you bridge that gap. Broncos, I think they beat them. Jets, I I think that game is on the road. I don't necessarily see it. A-Rod could be back by then. Um, he posted a picture of a of a watch on his Instagram story this weekend. Um, some Something cryptic. A-Rod a could be back at that time. Titans, twice um, in three weeks. Will Levis, if he keeps playing how he is. D-Hop finds his stride. Derrick Henry keeps just dominating teams. It's going to be tough to win both of those. I don't necessarily think they win either one of them if the Titans continue to hit the stride they're hitting. I don't necessarily think they win either one of those. Um, Browns, maybe. Maybe. I don't remember if that's home or away. Um, if it's home, give me the win. If it's not, give me the loss. I think they beat the Colts. So with that, 
that is one, two, three, four wins out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. Maybe not. Maybe not. I guess I'm not as high on them as I thought, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I want to see this Texans team make the playoffs. I just don't think this Texans team is ready to make the playoffs. Um, I don't think they're going to win enough games to see the wild card. And I think the Jags are going to get enough games done to win that division. I don't think it's quite the Texans time. I think, I don't think it's quite the Texans time is another fun one that I'm going to want their opinion on. I want to hear what you guys think down below as well. Is CJ Stroud already a top 10 quarterback in the league? Here is how CBS ranks quarterbacks in order right now. Tua at one, Allen, uh, Josh Allen, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy, and Dak Prescott. They have Stroud at 13th, so he's not far behind. Um, but he's beating quarterbacks 5 through 10 statistically on that list pretty impressively with lesser weapons. CJ Stroud has looked very, very good. He can extend plays with his legs. He's doing something no Ohio State quarterback has really ever done in the league. He's got an incredible pocket presence. He's got an incredible pocket presence. He can sit back. He can read defenses. He can throw the ball where it needs to be thrown. He finds his weapons really well. Um, He's got one of the highest air yards per attempt in the league. Dude can sling the rock, and he's really fun to watch as his weapons continue to progress along with his game. CJ Stroud's dangerous, man. CJ Stroud is dangerous. I personally, I would more rank this list Mahomes first. I'd probably put Joe Burrow second, possibly Josh Allen third, then Tua. Then maybe throw Prescott, Herbert, Lawrence. Me and Purdy obviously up there as well. Lamar's up there. I don't know. I don't know if he cracks his top 10. The more I look at this list, statistically, is he better than some of those guys? Yes. But I think he's got, I think he's still got some stuff to prove. I'd possibly put him over a Trevor Lawrence. I'd possibly at times put him over a Prescott. Um, At times... I'd put him over some weeks that Brock Purdy has. I'd put him over Tua a lot of days of the week. Um, but we'll, I don't know. I don't know. Put him at 11th. Put him at 11th and have the argument for the next five guys. Um, I don't know if he's top 10 quite yet, but I'm excited to see where his career continues to go. Let's talk Raiders football. I didn't think I'd be saying that any time in my life, but let's talk Raiders football. Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce has the Raiders' attention, he's got my attention, and he's got the NFL world's attention right now. The Compton-raised head coach starts hot with a 30-6 win over the Giants. Uh, the move to get rid of Josh McDaniels and David Zeigler midway through the season was bold. It cost the team $81 million, but it might have been the right move. Raiders beat the Giants on Sunday 30-6. The 27-0 lead they held in the third quarter was the largest lead the Raiders have held since 2017 in week two against the Jets. I mean, that's incredible. To see this team come out as motivated as they came out in this Giants team. It's the Giants. I get that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see with this team. But to see them come out as motivated as they came out in this game and perform how they performed in this game in a way that they haven't performed all season. They dominated this game. Um, 
they beat the Giants 30 to 6. And one of my favorite stories you heard during this game, if you guys watch this game, is a story of when Antonio Pierce was coaching Long Beach Poly um, a few years back. He was up 63-9 at half of, of a game. He didn't like how his team was playing. He didn't like some penalties. He didn't like performance of some players. He didn't like silly mistakes they were making. Again, up 63-9. So at halftime, his response is he's got his team running gassers behind the stadium at halftime uh, resulted in a delay of game to start the second half. And his team comes out and wins 99 to nine. He didn't give up a, a point in the second half. Um, obviously dominated the game 99 to nine, but uh reporter asked him about that. Dude doesn't even crack a smile. This dude doesn't crack a smile. Doesn't laugh. Just says, Hey, it's about doing it right. And that's, that's what he's here to do. Um, not sure how closely you guys have followed this one, but you listen to Devonte Adams talk about him and he's elated about this guy says he already wants to run through a wall for him. He feels really good about where this team is going. Um, you, you hear stories about this team having a, a team meeting just before McDaniels gets fired to have all the players and coaches come in and basically just bash McDaniel. It's not really the point of the meeting from what it sounds. More of a air their frustrations, air what they think is going wrong with the team. It sounds like it kind of sort of turns into a bashing of McDaniels and McDaniels gets fired not too long later and immediately this team turns to Pierce and it it seems to be the right move so far. Um, we'll see how it continues to go. Um, question I've got here is is this just a temporary feel-good story? We see them all the time in the NFL. Are the Raiders finally on the right track? I don't think there's a more perfect fit for a Raiders team than a Super Bowl-winning head coach born in Compton, California, coming in and coaching a team like this. Is it a bad recipe? Maybe. Is Antonio Pierce a stranger to controversy in the NFL? Nope. He's been there. Um, is he a good leader of young men? I don't know. He was in high school or men in general. These aren't young men. These are professionals, but he was in high school. We'll see how he is for this team. He came in to this team and said that his priority as head coach of this group is not to coach them. He's got coordinators for that, not to guide them through the game. He's got other guys for that, not to teach them the fundamentals, not to do any of that. He's got staff for stuff like that. His goal as head coach of this Raiders team is to motivate these guys, is to get these guys to give themselves their best and give their team their best on Sundays and win football games. His goal as a head coach is to get the most out of these guys. I'm excited to see where it goes. I think the Raiders could be on the right track. We'll see if he gets the nod to keep this job, but I I don't know. I It feels to me and it feels like this to this team that this guy might be the perfect fit for a Raiders football team. I've got one more topic before we get to Parlay Party. And that one more topic is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Eagles beat the Cowboys 28-23 last night. They survived to advance to 8-1. and one. Uh, Despite another hot start to a season, Philly has some major, major holes to patch. I'm not going to lie. I mainly put this one in here <laughs> so I could have... Zach and Joe talk me down as an Eagles fan and instill a little more confidence 
in this team for me because I'm not all that confident in this team. And Eagles fans aren't all that confident in this team. And I think that's for good reason. Um, it's hard to dig at this Eagles secondary too much when they're holding some of the best offenses to the league and check enough to win eight football games in nine weeks, 10 weeks. But <sighs> Philly fans can worry a little bit when you look at the game Dallas just delivered, when you look at the game, some of these teams against them, including the commanders twice have delivered against them. Um, it, wins are wins, but Super Bowl teams are not often allowed to give up 250 yards per game in the air and let that go unnoticed. Super Bowl teams are not often allowed to have a 25th ranked passing defense in the NFL and win the whole thing. Only a few teams have done it, to be exact, two teams, the 2011 Giants and the 2006 Colts. Um, only a f those two teams have had that bad of a passing defense and won a Super Bowl. The average total defensive ranking for Super Bowl champions is seventh. Um, so there's, there's some things on this team to really be concerned about. Red zone problems, you're converting at the red zone at just 50%. That's down 20% from last season. Um, so that there's a lot of frustrations here and the players are frustrated. They know that there's things to fix. And the great thing is you're still winning. So you can fix these things while you continue to win football games. That's good. That's great. That's what you want to see. Um, we're going to see how Philly continues to go, but with this game, uh, Dak versus Hertz, it delivers again. I always love seeing this matchup. Dak Prescott was 29 for 44, 374 yards and three touchdowns. Likely won me my fantasy week with Brock Purdy being out. I took on Dak. Uh, Jalen Hurts was 17 for 23, 207 yards and two touchdowns. Um, CD Lamb had 11 catches for 191 yards for the Cowboys last night. Um, ironic, we just talked about him versus AJ Brown in where they stand as receivers last week. But AJ Brown and Devonta Smith combined for 10 receptions, 117 yards and two touchdowns. A lot of the offense for the Eagles was those two last night. A lot of things to be positive for this Eagles team, but again, I, I think there's a lot of concerns as well as an Eagles fan. They're not the team they were last year. Are they winning like last year's team? Yes, but I, I don't think they are the team that they were last year, but we'll see. We'll see. It's a wide open league this year. Um, I can see them in the Chiefs rematching still. I can see maybe the Dolphins turn around their struggles against top opponents. They get up there. 49ers are up there, obviously. This Ravens team looks good right now. A lot of teams up there that could compete. Eagles still with their struggles look like they might be one of the most complete teams in the league. So we'll see. With that said, I'll, uh, I'll leave the Eagles rant for another time. Uh, I'm going to wrap up this episode. I'm right at an hour right now, and I'm ready to get out of here with Parlay Party. I got to go at it solo this week. We went three and two last week, improved our record to 22 and 18. Still have not hit a parlay. It's funny. I, uh, I let them talk me into putting the Dolphins on our last parlay party and the Dolphins lost us another parlay party. Um, but either way, I got to take this one on solo this week. So they're not allowed to sit here and disagree with me. And I hopefully I don't mess it up, you know? Um, that said, Parlay Party, if you're new here, it's where we sit down at the end of every Monday episode, Tuesday for you guys, Tuesday episode, and we build for you the ultimate NFL weekly winners parlay. Um, my advice, first and foremost, don't sports bet it. It's, it's not good for you. But if you are going to, which a lot of people are, have fun, 
Uh, only gamble what you're willing to lose. Don't be dumb about it. Uh, there's help out there if you need it. That said, if you're going to bet these, you can bet them as parlays, but I would I would bet them as straights because obviously our record there is positive. Parlays, uh, three or more legs, you have like a 0.03% chance of hitting. So they're silly, but they're fun. Uh, with that said, I'm going to get into these games here. Um, What's standing out? What's standing out? What's standing out? 49ers coming off of a bye. 49ers go on the road to take on the Jags. 49ers will be fully healthy. Uh, they're going to get Trent Williams back. Debo is still in question, but you got a whole nother week to rest. I think Debo is going to be back. CMC is going to be in full health. Brock Purdy is going to be in full health. You're going to have that team fully back at every single position. Uh, spread is two and a half for good reason with how the 49ers have played lately. 49ers bounce back after their buy. I'm going to take 49ers minus two and a half. Um, Saints at Vikings, no. Bucks, Titans, no. Ravens, Browns. Ravens have looked dominant lately. Ravens are at home. I do not like the five and a half point spread, but if this Ravens team continues to play how they're playing, they're not even doing anything special. They're just playing football and crushing teams. Um, and this midseason Ravens team looks phenomenal. Um, give me, give me Ravens money line in that one. So I've got 49ers minus two and a half Ravens money line. We've got, what do we got? What do we got? The Cardinals are a stomping ground for every team in the NFL right now. I don't think there's been a team this year that hasn't beat the Cardinals by 46 points. Um, I'm not going to take the Falcons spread just in case, but I am going to take the Falcons money line going on the road to beat the Cardinals. Oh, what do we got? What do we got? Cowboys giants. Cowboys are at home. They just lost to the Eagles. You got another divisional rival here. Spread is 15 and a half. I am not disgusting. I'm not going to take that, but I am going to take the Cowboys at home money line to beat the giants. So to recap, we got Falcons money line, Cowboys money line, Ravens money line and 49ers minus two and a half. We've got Seahawks commanders. Seahawks just got embarrassed by the by the Ravens. Uh, Seahawks are at home. Seahawks are healthy. Seahawks are taking on the commanders who did manage to win this weekend, I believe, against the Patriots. But there's still a lot of gaps in that team after the trade deadline. Seahawks minus six to me. I don't necessarily like minus six. <sighs> but... For sake, uh, no, I'm gonna take Seahawks money line against the Commanders. There, Seahawks win at home. Uh, my final one here, I believe this is gonna be Sunday night football. Jets Raiders. I'm gonna have a little fun here. Jets are favored, so our juice pick. We're gonna take. I'm gonna take. I'm sorry, Zach and Joe, if you don't agree with this one. I'm gonna take Raiders to beat the Jets. Raiders are at home. Raiders for some reason, not for some reason, but obviously looked a little hot this weekend. Uh, the Jets have struggled, man. That defense still looks good, but they've struggled to get anything going on offense. Um, I like this Raiders team right now. This Raiders team is playing with a little bit of swag, a little bit of confidence. Um, I like this Raiders team to come out at home on Sunday night football and take a close one, take a close one against the Jets. I got Raiders money line. I got Seahawks money line, Cowboys money line, Falcons money line, and I've got 49ers minus two and a half as well as Ravens money line. Those are my five picks. I believe that's five. I don't know why I said that's six, isn't it? I said one, two, three, four, five, and then six. Yeah. Okay. Um, take 
Ah, screw it. We're going to go six on Parlay Party this week. The six I just said, those are what we're going to pick. Uh, as far as a garbage shoot game goes, we always give you guys a garbage shoot game, a game to not touch whatsoever under any circumstances. For me, I've got two of them. I've got Saints-Vikings. Um, I don't know what to think of that Vikings team right, right now. If they keep playing how they played on Sunday, I think they could beat anybody. Saints are in that same boat. I don't like that game. Uh, Saints go on the road to take on the Vikings as well and are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That game's gross to me. Uh, Bucks-Titans as well. Titans, you never know what Titans you're going to get on a given week. You never know what Baker Mayfield you're going to get on a given week. Bucks are at home. Will Levis, it's just a bad mixture. Those two, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Those are the garbage shoot picks. Hopefully, you got our parlay party picks down there. I think I think I went with six of them. Raiders money line, Seahawks money line, Cowboys money line, Falcons over the Cardinals, Ravens money line over the Browns, and the 49ers minus two and a half. I think I went with six there. Um, but screw it. I'm solo tonight. I make the rules. So um, with that said, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for episode nine of Under the Lights. My first solo show, who knows how it went. I'm going to see it the same time you guys see it uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. So we're, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm ready to, to embrace it however it went. Hopefully you guys you know, have a little fun with our picks there at the end as well. We're going to see you guys. I think we're going to see you guys Thursday night live. Um, I believe what we've got bears, Panthers, something like that. Uh, we'll cover that game as best as we can, but, uh, Joe and Zach should be here on Thursday. We'll catch you guys live. Then hopefully you guys enjoyed tonight again, subscribe. If you're listening on podcast, follow it over there. Give us some support, show some love. It's free. Um, but I love you guys, man. And we're going to see you guys on Thursday. That's it. Peace.